sound. Church is about to start. Good evening and welcome to another Creepy Cove Community Church service here in the haunted, mysterious fishing town of Creepy Cove, where all horror movies actually happened. Do find a seat and a special welcome to anybody listening at home through the marvelous podcast medium. As always, tonight's service will feature gothic hymns, eerie prayers, and a genuine sermon to encourage you, led by our minister Peter Laws, who is with me right now. Peter, are you really an actual church minister? I am, Rupert. I'm ordained and everything, and I've loved spooky things and horror movies my whole life. Oh, gosh, well, you fit right in here. Thank you. So, Peter, what would you say is the point of Creepy Cove? Well, it's a church for everyone, no matter what their beliefs are. It's a safe space to have an immersive experience of a non-judgmental church, as long as they don't mind the odd vampire or ghost sitting next to them. Indeed. Though it's not completely safe, is it, Padre? The third toilet cubicle in our lavatory facilities is still demonically possessed. Best avoid. Well, do grab a seat, everybody, and if you're visiting from the comfort of home, remember, you can attend the church anytime you wish via our trendy podcast function. Subscribe for free this very night, and may we all find a little hope amongst the horror. exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello, and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every week, and especially this year, we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now for a very special fear of God conversation is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. And and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here a minute ago, but he was was, uh, uh, rather harried. And he said he needed to go print off some more bulletins for the service this morning, which is, that's always a good problem to have. Uh, But in the meantime, allow me to welcome you, listeners, back into What Saves Us, the second of a pair of overarching series this year, this time featuring films and media and maybe podcasts that nurture your wonder, that invigorate your awe, that enrich your humanity, not to overstate things, but that are saving you now. Last week, we all swooned over a puppy in the back of a van with Jackson Harper and Bless the Child, and today... We are going to church, visiting the kooky congregation at Creepy Cove Community Church with author and Reverend Peter Laws. Welcome to the show, Peter. Hello. It's uh, fantastic to join the Fear of God, which I've uh, I've heard many times before. I've been very impressed. So now I'm within. 
yes, actual world of it now. Yeah. So I, I, I hope you uh, hope you enjoy your stay, you know, as they used yeah. to say on the cover of X-Men comic books growing up. Um, <laughs> hope you survive is actually what they would say. Well, but, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> um, Peter, if you don't mind rehearsing your sermon another moment while I remind listeners that here at the fear of God, we explore. We don't explain except for right now when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at the fear of God podcast.com. Things like essays, team bios, episode archives, merch, read. Hey buddy. Hello. (laughs) It's, I brought us a friend from across the pond. Oh Hi. my goodness. It's my favorite creepy minister. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Hello. <laughs> Is he a creepy minister or minister to the creepy or of the creepy? You know, that's it's you know, like, I now realize that that can come a couple yeah. of different ways. So let yeah. me let me just backpedal a minute. <laughs> and, and just one of my favorite reverends just uh just writ large. So we'll just leave it at there. <laughs> you know, it's it really is thrilling uh to have you on Peter and you will get to, to speak. I, I promise because you are a guest, but as Reed knows, sometimes I can, when I, when I am uh, a bit starstruck, I can gush. And it's funny, your persona has been in the fear of God periphery for quite some time. I mean, we are, we are right at, I think five years now, Reed. Yeah. A little over and, five years now. Yeah. And it's possible you and I have sort of just, just, waved across the internet at each other once or twice. Um, but not until prepping for this conversation, have I really had the opportunity to dive into, uh, your material specifically creepy cove, but also, uh, the frighteners. And it was really funny starting that book and looking back at the cover to see if it was Reed Lackey's name on the cover. I was like, what, (laughs) this is weird. Reed, did you write this? Because because you are like the British Reed. To me, you are yeah. the British Reed Lackey. Like that might not be the case to a lot of people if they don't know Reed. But consuming your material, even listening to Creepy Cove, I was like, yeah, this is like a thing Reed would have done if he That's hadn't. Quite a compliment. You know, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say I really That's hope not how he I takes that. As- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, I mean a compliment for Reed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yes. yes, I will receive favorite guest. I will receive favorite guest. <laughs> That's amazing. Regardless, it, it is thrilling to have you here. It is wild. Uh, uh, in fact, I started the book uh, uh, and, and was sharing some excerpts with my wife. Just like this is this is kind of you know, Twilight Zoney. <laughs> this is very Reed Lackey style material. So compliments to both of you. <laughs> it's as Ted Lasso would say, you both just met a cool person. <laughs> so <laughs> that. um, that's amazing. So uh, before we dive into all things Creepy Cove, you want to, Nathan, you want to do a little bit of fog business? Just a brief little bit. We need to. We yeah, need to. We absolutely um, need to. Uh, so we've got some serious fog business closing in very quickly. That right of the, the first ever uh, hope to be annual Fogoween party. And Reed, I don't know if you saw your email before this. Um, we are adding a. We are. <laughs> you can edit this if we need to. <laughs> in oh, the event okay. it just doesn't work out, but <laughs> we are planning to add to the raffle prize mix a signed copy of Peter Law's The Frighteners uh, hey! to be awarded. Uh, at Yay! the Fogoween party. Um, that is so exciting. That's very really exciting. Thrilling. So, yes. so yes, we are doing a Fogoween party. Come one, come all. How you RSVP, go to the website, thefearofgodpodcast.com. You will see the banner across the top. Click that. Check mark the things that you have done. Uh, join the Facebook group. Uh, uh, follow us on Insta. 
Um, it's really funny. I just listened to the creepy cove social media thing this morning and I'm feeling really bad about inviting people to do these <laughs> things. Um, but uh, do those things, uh, uh, write us a review on iTunes. These are your, uh, uh, admissions, how you, this is your admission to the party, uh, submit that form on the, the following party is October 29th on or about the 27th. We will just send one email out to all of you with a zoom link that you will use uh that friday for the party i'm i'm excited i'm super excited no i'm absolutely excited so uh so yes come one come all uh we will as as nathan mentioned we uh the zoom link will be very specific so the way you rsvp is through the website please do so or you won't know how to get there um i also just a a, a slant i will speak more about this on next week's episode because i don't have all the details yet but i did want to just flag for people who might be interested, there is a streaming service called Rediscover Television. And the reason I'm bringing this up in business time is because uh, Rediscover Television will soon, maybe as of next week, that's what, that's what I need to confirm, um, will have a, uh, a documentary on it uh, that uh, I always feel a little shy about these things, but I, I was encouraged to, to talk about this by the director of the film. There's a documentary that's going to be on there that I co-wrote. So um, it's going to be a documentary called The Valley of the Shadow, uh, The Spiritual Value of Horror. Um, and it is going to be- I told least, you, you're I the just, same people. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, and as of right now, it is going to be, at least for a, a brief period of time, introductory period of time, it's going to be an exclusive to Rediscover Television, which is a streaming service like most where you can pay for a streaming service, uh, a monthly fee to see it uh, or uh, an annual fee to see it. Uh, they focus on specifically uh, Christian faith-based content. So um, that that is their aim. That is their platform. Um, but a, a exclusive to that platform will be, soon be a documentary uh, that I was privileged to co-write. So um, yeah, awesome. some more details on that to come, but uh, just uh, be on your radar. Rediscover Television is the outlet. So well, here it is. Speaking of writing, I feel compelled. You will remind us at the end of this, but I have felt bad, Reed. Um, sort of homework, sort of business time, um, mm-hmm. if you want to tackle it this way. So next week, Reed, if you can believe this, is our, our next quarterly king. Uh, uh, our twice a year installments uh, into the uh, oeuvre of Mr. Stephen King, Uncle Stevie, as he's affectionately known. Uh, we will be assembling the quartet and specifically are going to be discussing Salem's Lot. Um, yes. I am. I feel bad that we have not really mentioned that up until now, and you've got a week. Oh, but if you want to read it, uh, you can uh, get the audiobook and yeah. you know turn it up to like one and three quarter speed and just really jam it out. <laughs> or you can watch the three hour 1979 version, or you can catch the however many hour Rob Lowe version from ninety nine, uh, two thousand four. But yes, oh, uh, uh, but yeah, also uh, three hours. So yes. <laughs> That's a lot of Salem's Lot out there. There's a, there's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. A lot and a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so that's that's what I got for business time. You good? That's business time. Yeah, no, no, no. That's good. I'm 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 excited. Peter's here. We've wasted enough of his time, you know, talking about our our business. Um so yeah, uh Nathan, why don't you you don't know Peter? Why don't you why don't you get to know Peter? I'm gonna, oh, I'm we're, gonna we're take fast a fast friends here. Um, <laughs> but but you do your day drinking read. We we won't judge you. Wow, um, it's Mountain Dew to be clear. <laughs> It's not a drink. It's a lifestyle. So, oh, <laughs> right. 
Hence the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out Peter and I collaborated for an intervention for you, Reed. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's what this is. Um, Before (laughs) before anyone, (laughs) this gets gets too far down the path. So (laughs) speaking of listening to audiobooks, Peter, it's a pleasure to have you here and to hear your normal speaking voice. Because yes, uh, yeah. in in a desire to cover as much ground as I could, you don't know this, but I'm in my car a lot. I um, uh, I I travel for my work basically, and so I'm in the car a lot. So I consumed recently 17 hours of Salem's Lot on one and three quarter speed, uh, knowing we were going to be talking with you primarily, at least about Creepy Cove. I was like, I really need to cover some ground here. So so at one and a half speed. You've got a great <laughs> delivery voice and it let me just plow through <laughs> like a dozen That's of correct. these. Um, even earlier, I was like, you know what? I got a little time. I, I had a work appointment that that shifted for the morning. And so I was like, I'm going to do them some dishes and listen to Peter on on speed, uh, speed talking. I, I, Peter. I feel so, like I should be speeding myself up a little bit now yeah, just to please, make you feel comfortable. Please sync up with how <laughs> okay. I've been listening to you. Um, nonetheless, uh, so whenever we have a guest, it, it, it feels like you're at home already. Just just what I know of you thus far, just from absorbing so much of your content so very quickly. Um, I, I want to throw to you for our listeners a thing, a pair of things we ask pretty much any guest. And one, I want you to feel the freedom to breathe and take your time on these. Um, but two, answer them as as earnestly or lightheartedly as you would like but in either order these questions for you are um what would you identify as kind of your gateway drug what what got you in to the spooky the horrific the creepy what have you um there can be a couple touch points you can singularly point to something real specific if you'd like um again let the question breathe as much as you want the second question uh is (laughs) Put real frankly, what scares you? Um, okay. And again, that can be uh, lighthearted, uh, but it can also be as we tend to uh, toggle rather quickly between on this show, the lighthearted and the the quite deep. Uh, it can be deep and yeah. profound as well. So I'll kind of let okay. you run with both of those. Okay. Um, I mean, it's I, I don't necessarily have a single kind of moment where or a film I watched where I realized, you know, horror was was my thing. Although there are moments. I mean, there's, there's particularly I remember a time when I was at school and this was when I was probably about about seven or eight. And people were talking about the Evil Dead, the original mm-hmm. Sam Raimi Evil Dead and, and saying, it's not very scary. It's not a big deal. And I remember thinking, yes, it was scary. It, I, I was very scared by that film and I was <laughs> exhilarated, but scared. It was only later I realized that no one had actually watched it. They were all they'd mm. heard of it. They were pretending they'd watched it. I was the only one who actually went to watch it because it was a video nasty at the time and mm. it was illegal to see it. But the guy in the video wow. store, like was allowed me to see it. So I remember that being kind of a very significant memory of feeling like I had a I had a kind of doorway into something exhilarating, which was scary, but also uh, fascinating. But I, I think in speaking generally, the reason why I was drawn to horror at an early age was probably linked to my spirituality, although I didn't know it at the time, which was this kind of ambition for life to be more exotic than I thought it was. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when I was living at home, and it was fine. You know, my friends were into sports and into different things like that. But as I walked to school, um, I noticed that the things that would make me feel excited would be 
not the idea that I might play in a sports team, but it would be the idea that maybe that house on the street that I passed every morning could be haunted. Mm. And because that house could be haunted, that instantly brought uh, a kind of enchantment to my to my life right there. I didn't have to go to another planet for it. I didn't have to wait till I grew up to experience it. It opened the door there. So I remember, I think for me, horror kind of turned the colors up of normal life because mm. it said there is the potential for a, a new world to open even in your own house. It could just happen. And that mm. I found scary, but also exhilarating because I had that desire for there to be something else. I really love that. And, and read, I want you to feel the freedom too, but often sure. when either of us ask each other a question, we then engage with the answer to that question. And so <laughs> right. yeah, you, a, a reason I really love that is Reed and I, I can't remember exactly which of our recent episodes this was explicitly stated, but have been in conversation a couple of months now about this felt lack of wonder and discovery yes. about the world we inhabit yeah. whether whether it's through through adulthood and uh, uh just you know parenting and the and and the really respectable responsibilities we have on our shoulders and those are mm -hmm. valuable things and appropriate things and, and and how you conduct yourself in the world but can often feel time to time like damn I'd, i really miss just kind of a little bit of awe in my mm -hmm in my prism of, of view, yes, if you yeah. will. And, and I think as I've gotten older, I've started to appreciate the awe of the normal. And so mm, I've started sure. to reassess normal life and realize that actually I could be quite judgmental when I was, when I was younger, that mm. I would look at people and say, you know, all you like is watching, you know, uh, watching this sports team or all you like is watching the latest kind of, um, Steven Seagal movie at the cinema. <laughs> you, you probably never even thought to watch, um, you know, like a Roman Polanski movie or something. And there was definitely a kind of judgment, I think, that I hadn't sure. realized at the mm. time. Of, but, but I think, again, that was this feeling of, I think you can tell that there's something a bit different about you and different people have different differences. And, mm. I, and, the, and the horror people I meet in the community of horror, they, they, they often do find themselves feeling just, just a little bit offbeat <laughs> or a little bit different <laughs> to maybe some of the people around them, which can be celebrated, but depending on what community you're in, that can be actually quite a lonely experience and a quite mm -hmm. isolating mm -hmm. one. Um, but for me, I just, I discovered that horror could open up the doorway to uh, quite an adventurous life, really, you know, the, yeah. the potential of adventure and all the best adventures are scary ones. So that made sense to me. And um, I think that's what got me on the, the path. But how long have I been into it? I don't know, since birth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to work out exactly when. Sure. It's always been there. And uh, what about the, uh, so what about the second question? I'm, I'm, I'm actually a little curious about this because oh, yeah. I've engaged your material, but I don't think I know the answer to this. So what, what would you say scares you? What scares me? Um, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's been, it's been kind of obvious, but death scares me and the, and the concept <laughs> of death, even though I'm a Christian, like mm -hmm. I find the concept of death to be offensive and to mm. be uh, it, it to to be a kind of a, a shock to the system. Well, obviously it is when you die, but um, <laughs> that, that, just that the idea of it clashes against something in me, and and that's I find it quite scary and the unknowns of that. 
Like even though mm. I'm a person of faith, I still have room for doubt, and I'm not embarrassed by that. So there's still sure. doubts about faith, uh, doubts about what happens after death. But on the whole, I point towards you know I think there's something else, and that's yeah. why I like horror because it gave me hints that yes, maybe there well there may well be something else. But what scares me these days, I think um, it's kind of I think you're it goes like in fashions, and recently the 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 flavor of fear that gets to me is kind of claustrophobia. And mm. the, I, I was doing my own podcast when I, I kind of explore strange news from around the world. And I was sharing this like news report about a guy in Italy who um, was walking with his son and they found like a papier mache art installation of a dinosaur. And this dinosaur was hollow. And when they looked inside the dinosaur through a crack, they discovered that some there was a man inside there who had dropped his phone inside the dinosaur and he'd went in to retrieve it. And when he went in, he fell headfirst down the hollow leg of the dinosaur. Oh, was my. trapped inside there for, well, for however long, could not move. Nobody heard him screaming and he died. And I had not oh, really realized. God. Yeah, oh, my God. I, I had not realized that I was mildly claustrophobic till I read that story and I thought, wow, that's haunting me, that idea. I, I hadn't realized I was scared to drop my phone inside a paper mache dinosaur and, climb in and fall <laughs> yeah. head first down a taller leg and die because no one well, can hear me, but I yeah, am exactly. definitely that now. Yeah, I always assumed that would be a fun thing, but in reality, it's awful. Um, but, but yeah, I, I do find that there's certain things that um, diff- I think it I think it's quite indicative. It's interesting to analyze your fears and what is scaring you at a certain point, because mm. I think you can dig into them to find themes. And I think there are themes of, uh, you know, frustration or being trapped or stress or whatever, you know, in my fears of claustrophobia at the time. Um, there used to be a fear of madness. I'm not necessarily personally scared of being mad, but films like um, Repulsion, Roman Polanski's Repulsion always scared me. Mm. The idea of, you know, there's a character in there. You don't know if they're insane or not. Um, mm. That's a scary thought. But um, but also, uh, I hate uh, flip-flops and the sound flip-flops make. I find, <laughs> I, find, I find that so unsettling. I hate them. I hate the sound of it. I hate the look of it. And I try not to hate the people who make it, but it's hard. <laughs> okay. Foot, uh, and note to it's self, like, footwear like not to have on if it's I ever meet like, Peter in the it's flesh. It's just you walk along the street and you hear like. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and you're thinking even... someone's clapping for you. And then you just yeah, turn you, around and it's. Um, yeah, exactly. You turn yeah, around with your hand up saying, thank you. Thank- oh. <laughs> oh, man. Andy's going to love that observation. Um, so um, so I, I want to pick up on one thing that you said there that I thought was was really uh, interesting because the um, uh, you talk about how your our fears can sometimes, you know, uh, when we analyze them in a certain way, they can provide some insights uh, and, yeah. and, and can maybe actually be quite helpful. So some, something, this is going to feel like a non sequitur, but I'll tie it back into what it made me think of. So there's a, this... Um, uh, it's it's pretty common vernacular amongst uh, religious circles, but of the love languages. I think it's even used in some yes. psychological circles about, um, you know, the love languages of like, okay, well, if you respond, uh, it, the way that you give and receive love. And so that might yeah. be, uh, you know, I won't do a whole dissertation on it right now, but it could be receiving gifts. It could be quality time. It could be physical touch. It could be 
you know, uh, words of affirmation, et cetera. It's actually well, really, really an effective model, I think. We, we, we covered yeah. this in Creepy Cove, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, the love languages make sense. So go on. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But one of the things that they point out to that is that if people are having difficulty figuring out what their specific love language is, then the, uh, the, I think the primary book, the initial book that introduced the five love languages said, look for their opposite and find out what hurts you the most. So yes. look to see. Um, so for instance, if criticism hurts you more than not receiving a gift, then your love language is probably words of affirmation yeah. because criticism hurts more. Um, like if it doesn't matter very much to you that somebody didn't spend a lot of time with you, then quality time is probably not mm -hmm. your love language. And tying that back into what you said, I think it's fascinating to consider that as rather than our tendency to run away from our fears, if we're willing to honestly ask ourselves, what, what am I afraid of? Then that might, in a way, provide a little bit of, of insight into what yes. might give us hope, what might give us uh, a bit of inspiration, what might push us forward into mm. something that God would intend for us. Um, and I think the more we shy away from and try to deny what we're afraid of, I think we're missing probably an incredible canyon of insight into our own selves and into what motivates us. And so I thought that was Ab really fascinating. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I do think you, you could uh, formulate kind of the, the, the five fear languages or however many there would be, because mm. you, you mm. can't distill them down into sort of fear of the unknown, fear of attack um, or, you know, physical pain or, or, or fear of madness or fear of the other. Um, yeah. But what, yeah. What, I, what I find interesting is particularly in kind of horror academia, is that this sort of thinking tends to be applied to at the societal level. So they'll say, ah, you know, after 9-11, um, everyone was scared of terrorists. And so then we had Cloverfield, which because horror films reflect what a society is scared of. And I think mm. that's probably true. But I don't often see people making that personal and to say, well, <laughs> what am I actually scared of right now? And, and mm. so, you know, when, when you follow things like... Um, if, if you're following spiritual pack, uh, practices or having like the examine at the end of your day and sort of having a prayerful time of looking back over your day and saying, you know, God, were you speaking to me that today? Yeah. Saying, well, hang on, I watched, I watched this movie and that bit freaked me out. Mm. That bit, I, and, um, but go beyond saying that was not just saying that was a great horror moment. You say, why, why did that press a button in me? What is that teaching me about me right now at this moment? So, yeah, I think there's rich, rich pickings, really, this, with fear. This may be just kind of inside baseball for our listeners, but I'm really enjoying this moment because I feel like uh, the two of you being uh, uh, doppelgangers, um, <laughs> brothers from another queen mother. <laughs> um, uh, I like that. No, yeah. That was, that was, <laughs> this is what happens in the daytime. So we were, we usually record at like uh, uh, midnight my time. And I'm yeah. just like, can we just please finish? <laughs> so, so me actually alert and awake is a whole other side. But one thing I really love about my experience of specifically um, the work we've done with the fear of God and engaging the content we have is this almost kind of exposure therapy of yeah. You know, taking these scary things out into the light and not dispensing with them, but being able to name them and being able to articulate how you feel in relation to them and, and, and that sort of thing. Our, our oldest child 
I think a lot about this idea because she will often say she, she, she deeply overuses the word terrifying. Like I think it's terrifying. Like, okay. <laughs> we need some new, <laughs> we need a broader <laughs> vocabulary for how to articulate our feelings here. Yeah. Uh, but I think about this sometimes and like how you can, uh, as a, a young person in this instance, her difficulty having steps, right? Steps yes, of yeah, yeah. process. It's simply unknown equals terrifying. Like, okay, there's, there's a healthier way to sort of not just name, but experience this thing that you're describing here. And let's figure out how to do that. So I just really love for me, at least what, what something like the fear of God and what it sounds like both of you and your own experiences have found mm. through assessing horror is, is that, that naming and processing dynamic. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which makes it um, all the more heartbreaking to find that in the history of the Christian church, uh, horror has tended to be maligned or pushed aside as nothing right. but a uh, dangerous experience. And so, to think that, um, I, you know, I do feel for the people who um, exist within church environments in which they really don't have any space to unpack and explore any of this stuff uh, and, and just really are either secretively watching scary films right and never never discussing it or desperately wanting to watch scary things and never having the out outlet to do it and i went through that period when i first became a christian in my early 20s um i kind of assumed oh well i guess my love and interest in horror is is some sort of sinful thing because i was like (laughs) i was kind of i was introduced to christianity in a sort of evangelical uh world Mm. Where, where this sort of thing was not accepted. And so I thought, oh, well, I suppose in time I'll grow out of that. And, and actually I found that the, well, if you, wanted to, if you want to be all dramatic and say the devil, I kind of found that the, the, the devil was, the volume on him was way higher in those years when I was trying to go, go cold, cold turkey with horror mm. because, mm-hmm. you know, I might be standing in front of a cinema d- desperate to see the Blair Witch Project because it spoke to me on deep, philosophical levels spiritual levels but i'm like oh but i'll go and see bowfinger instead with eddie murphy and steve martin because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a kind of a funny movie though <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's all right but it was like but I, I just remember vividly sitting in the cinema thinking like what's happening in the next room mm. you know that and, and pining to be in there and then asking myself wow what's wrong with me why am i pining for that when everyone's telling me it's so bad and thankfully, yeah. I was able to reassess things and come through and go, you know, that's it's fine. Me watching the Blair Witch Project does not equate with me worshiping and rubbing my knees at death. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's actually really precisely the opposite. But I do, I do feel sorry for people who have no access to what we're talking about here and only hear there is something really weird about you. Why do you like this stuff? Right. Well, and also, I mean, to, to harken back to the, what we've just been observing, that uh, you know, if, if you if you explode our one of our principal theses in these conversations of saying like, yeah, examining horror can provide insight into something hopeful and rich and good, uh, confronting our fear of death or our fear of the unknown can lead to what can be known, what can be believed, and yeah. can lead, you know, in in the death conversation can lead to what brings us life and to overcoming that yeah. fear of death. That as long as Quite. I love the way you talked about the the volume on him was much higher because that is one of the things that I have directly stated about like, you know, my, my affectionate, just unbridled affection for um, Halloween and spooky season of just Mm. like, I'm I'm fairly certain that uh, the devil 
couldn't stand to be mocked. Like if, uh, you know, if, if the yeah. devil has traditionally viewed, you know, exists in that way, like I'm fairly certain that like play acting a little toy figure or putting him in fictional context where he's continually defeated must not be a pleasant experience. And so I'm imagining like even bringing into my own psychology of it, uh, speaking very bluntly about it, the more I engage with those kind of things, the more I acclimate to where it's not so scary anymore. And it's, yes. and it is something, you know, we recently faced without getting too reductive about a thing. We recently uh, faced a, a, a rather sudden uh, loss of life in my wife's family. And okay. my son was old enough to begin to uh, sort of at least observe what was going on. And one of the things he asked, I didn't presume to have all of the answers on anything, but one of the things he asked is he asked why some people in our family had a much more overt response to that in terms of uh, very emotive crying and very emotive you know, sort of thing. But he observed that I did not. I cried a little bit and I, I teared up a little bit and I was, I was notably sad, but not as much to his to his nine-year-old observation as some of the others. And all I said in that moment, not that this is right or good or better or worse or anything, but all I said in that moment is I said, well, for some people, the very first thing that hits them is the grief and the sadness and the loss and the fear. And just by complete the way that I'm made, one of the first thing that hits me is the joy in knowing that his suffering has ended, the joy in knowing that his peace has been found, and the joy in knowing what God has brought to him, and shared a little bit about faith in that context. But that was an opportunity, again, to speak a little bit in personal matters in a much more direct way about what I feel not being afraid to confront my concept of death and not being afraid yes. to confront those ideas and sort of live with those ideas for a little while has benefited in me in terms of a way to, as Nathan said earlier, name and process certain things, you know, yeah. just for what it is. Mm. Um, as a, as, if I can, as a note before we uh, to pivot in, it, it makes yeah. me think of it's either. <laughs> It's either Richard Rohr or Stephen King, the twin pillars of, of <laughs> philosophy in my heart and pop culture mind. But Reed, you you processing out loud the the experience of that made me think of this. That one of those two, I think it's Rohr. Uh, a quote that I'm recalling of his is is that life is learning how to die, or how to die mm. well. Oh, you know, wow. and 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 I think that's. For, for for the folks who keep horror at not just arm's length, but at eternity's length from them, I would wager a lot of that has to do with fear mongering that happened outside of them towards mm -hmm. a thing and just what that does and how so much of my ex personal experience of the last five years uh, with tendrils further back, but has been just learning how to okay, well, if I was afraid of X before this, uh, as a perfect example here, I think of Take Shelter Read and how yeah. fruitful for me that conversation was or Phantasm, you know, these two, these two conversations we had in our, our past of, of, of literally that, you know, naming this thing mm -hmm. verbally in a safe space and literally with Read, but kind of mm -hmm. broad, more broadly in dialogue with our listeners, analyzing and processing feeling those things and and, right, and what a right. gift that can kind of be anyway yeah no absolutely and it speaks so much to to the work that that you do on a regular basis peter is what is what initially drew um it's what initially crossed our paths. So I got, I have to give some love and affectionate shout out to a uh, friend of the show. He'll be on next week's episode, uh, Lord willing. Uh, but uh, Blake Collier is how I found out ah, about you. Right. So uh, Blake's a dear friend of ours. And um, when we were actually launching 
the fear of God. It was really kind of funny. I don't know if he has ever heard this story, but when we were launching the fear of God, we were already, we had like 10 episodes in the can. We were going to launch it about five years ago. Um, Blake and I were already sort of uh, communicated friends. We hadn't been in real, you know, in the same physical space Mm. yet, but we were, you know, conversing over the internet. And then he was like, Oh yeah, you know I'm I'm really excited for this. Uh, have you ever heard of Peter Laws? And then I was like, Oh no, I, I I haven't, you know. And so then he points me to a podcast called The Flicks The Church Forgot. Now, <laughs> here's here's what's funny about it. So in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, Oh, fear of God is is somewhat novel, and fear of God is somewhat you know uh, unique in in physical space. And then <laughs> and then I drift over to The Flicks The Church Forgot and find us 178 very cogent, <laughs> very thoughtful episodes about this entire subject. And I'm like, Well, crap. <laughs> <laughs> but but then what's what's great about it is that you know and and I, and I did love that I did love that show um you know I, I, we will be getting to Creepy Cove you know eminently but but sure. this is sort of an on ramp into you know some of my acquaintance with your work and me reaching out to you initially mm. and and stuff is just uh you know I really absorbed uh all of fear of uh, all of the flicks that church forgot in kind of a fever where much like Nathan described his acquaintance with Creepy yes. Cove I was just like oh man I'm just gonna barrel through so many of these I watched slugs while you yes. did the commentary on slugs oh, amazing. I, did. <laughs> I did so um so yeah so that was really fun and so what i'd like to do um because because our, our time is not abundant what i'd like yeah. to do is i'd kind of like to just sing your praises for a second listeners if you've never heard of peter so um right now he has an ongoing bi-weekly podcast called creepy cove community church which he's going to pitch to us in just a second he's also written a book that we've referenced earlier called the frighteners which is entirely about uh what we've been discussing here this intersection of you know why we're so fascinated by things that are macabre and spooky and, and gothic um, and then he also has written a series of, I believe, best-selling uh, thriller novels about a sociologist, uh, a former religious person who's now turned sociologist and, and, uh, and investigates paranormal mysteries. So um, what I'd like you to do as I sort of pitch the ball to you is whether it be flicks that church forgot, uh, you know, kind of moving through what you do, uh, sort of guide us through the things that you've done and uh, as briefly as you want, and then bring us into Creepy Cove and what the vision was for that, how that started. Uh, so just kind of take it away with that. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I because uh, I, 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 I didn't grow up in church or anything. I ended up becoming a, a Christian at university. I was quite antagonistic about Christianity. I was in a band um, called <laughs> Creature, Creatures of the Night, which was, had lyrics like, um, you know, spit on your Bible and all this sort of stuff. So I was, oh, wow. I, I, I was, I was really kind of had a bee in my bonnet about, um, about Christians. I didn't know why. I mean, I discovered later. But anyway, so it was quite a shock when I ended up becoming a Christian at university. And, um, well, shock to my friends as well as me. But then after that, I, I became a youth pastor. And then after that, well, I was in a band for a while. And then I was a youth pastor. And then I became came ordained as a, as a church minister mm. for kind of all ages. And it was during that time when I, I had this feeling of like, maybe I should write a, write a book. And I ended up writing a novel and amazingly got a literary agent with this novel quite early, but then went through a period of a few, a few years of not getting any publishing deals and about to give up and really struggling mm. with the rejection of all that. But then amazingly, yeah, got, got a two book deal and was amazed to start getting you know, seeing my books in shops and uh, in stores and overseas, it was just really, really phenomenal to see that happen. But um, through that whole period was me kind of re-embracing horror after trying to go cold turkey uh, with it, you know, after becoming a Christian, feeling that it was wrong. Well, mm. I was being told it was wrong and trying sure. to do what a, a good Christian would do and then re-embracing it. And so 
I've been in this trajectory where really it's quite consistent for me that I've always been drawn to deeper subjects and the idea of something else through horror and also through spirituality. Mm. And so it's not a shock now to find that um, I'm still doing that through podcasting and through writing still. And so mm. Creepy Cove, um, which I do, is really in some ways a kind of a kind of perfect expression of all of that coming together because I am ordained as a minister. Um, but uh, what Creepy Cove is, is basically it's kind of full and immersive church services uh, broadcast from a mysterious fishing town where <laughs> all horror movies actually happened. Hello? Oh, hello. Hello. Yes. Uh, good evening, everybody. My name is Rupert. And I'd like to welcome you here to the Creepy Cove Community Church. Please do come in, you at the back. Come on, there's plenty of room for you. Yes, I'd like to welcome you to our regular After Dark service, where tonight we have a brand new addition to the Creepy Cove team. But more on that in a moment. For me, I also thank everybody who has expressed their concern for Margaret White. As some of you will be aware, she is no longer attending our church, as she claims it is too stimulating and exciting. We understand and we wish her well. But <laughs> we've had some rather wonderful news of our own. Exciting news. Margaret's daughter, Carrie White, has something to tell us. Carrie... Could you please stand and tell everybody what has happened? I got invited to the prom. <laughs> <laughs> we thought it might be nice to meet one of the members of the DPF, the Demonically Possessed Friends Group. And so can you all put your hands warmly together as we welcome little Reagan McNeil from town? <laughs> ah, <laughs> Hello, Reagan. What a joy to see you. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm tip-top. And, um, for his jelly-fueled visage. <laughs> what about I'm sorry, what's that? What about oh, oh, yes, of course. Uh, little Carol Ann. I'm afraid she is still missing. Unlike Jackson, she hasn't been discovered as yet. Yes, we lost her recently in the poltergeist house. But, uh, sadly, no sign of her. But look, we've still got the television at the ready, just in case she springs out and about. <laughs> Alrighty then. Well, moving on, we have a very special guest. And the idea is people, you know, listen to this show as if it's a, you know, like how churches, they record their services and you mm -hmm. can listen to it. You know, it's, it's just it, the, the, the conceit is just that it happens to be a church. Um, and you, if you want to, you can listen to their podcast and, mm -hmm. um, and, and listen to what their services were. And the idea of this is just to try and, to say that, you know, even in the world of horror itself, there are people trying to find a little bit of hope amongst all of the horror. And mm. actually also maybe the scary people in that environment, that community, maybe they have more than one dimension as well. Mm. So, so in my show, there's things like, you know, um, like in the Patreon, what I do with it, you get extra things. So like, for example, there's a jogging with Jason course, so you can go uh, actually doing a keep, keep fit with Jason Voorhees. <laughs> like you, you, you put, put it in your ears, you go for a half an hour jog and he's chatting about his history and killing a few campers on the way. Um, there's like, you know, Jack Torrance and the shining was in the nativity play last mm -hmm. year for the uh, Christmas Carol concert. It's all a mixture of sur <laughs> surrealism <laughs> comedy but it does play like a proper church service sure. in the sense that as well as all of that crazy stuff there is a, a sermon in inverted commas from me 
and um, there's kind of prayers, but the prayers are, you know, um, themed on children of the corn or the exorcist <laughs> or, um, and it's to try and it's to try and really immerse people in not only the world of horror, but in the world of hope. And mm -hmm. um, that, that's always been something that speaks to me. And it's fun as well to, to, to write kind of spooky, scary horror hymns sure. uh, each, each week. So really it's kind of like uh, the reason I started it, to be honest, guys, was um, that I had a novel come out called Possessed last year. Mm -hmm. um, but then lockdown happened and I have had various kind of appearances booked throughout the year. And then sadly they all got canceled. And mm. so what ended up happening was I, um, I was like, crap, what am I going to do? And my books come out. And then I noticed that everyone's freaking out because of the pandemic and scared. But then I, mm. I noticed that my Christian friends were getting an expression of community and church online through their churches doing mm. zoom church or whatever, or YouTube church. And I was like, well, what about my other friends? Like who don't have this sort of community, they can't access that. Wow. And so I thought, well, why don't I just start a church and if it's done, did, and if it's done, did, it's not a real church, but you know what I mean? If I start it, it's, it doesn't even, if it's done digitally, it doesn't even have to be confined by reality. Like right. it right. could be a fictional church in a fictional place so that people feel at home in this community because they know the characters already. They're friends with these horror characters. So that, that was the idea to basically create a space, a safe space for anyone who, whether they're religious or not, to come. No, that's and, that's, and that's what's happened. And I, I, honestly, I've been, I've been shocked at the amount of messages I get or often from people who say things like, look, Peter, I'm, I'm not even, a, I don't even believe in God, never mind go to church, but your prayers, the prayer times matter to me. Or, mm, you know, mm. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a staunch atheist and I'm very anti-Christian, but your sermons are speaking to me mm. about something. I'm crying during these services, even wow. though there's this crazy, you know, uh, vampirism, werewolves in it as well. <laughs> that to me is, so, is totally consistent. But mm -hmm. um, to other people, it can, it can be a bit confusing. But um, sure. yeah, it's pretty, it's oh, pretty wild. I, I want to encourage you. Um, you you said a moment ago, and I I, I want to in in uh, brotherly kindness challenge a little bit. You said it's not church, and I want to I want to challenge that for you, man. I, I know yeah. I know you were speaking off the cuff, but what you just described in terms of response to to me who have has had a very tumultuous relationship with the church the last 10 years uh i found myself even even on speed pete uh <laughs> you know being speed like man pete. i i i have the voices in my life that speak truth and goodness and encouragement to me but the framing device serves a function that even for those of us who hold traditional church in a uh, arm's length sometimes can can find some comfort in and 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 even just uh uh hearing you i've got i've got this is gonna seem random at first i've got three kids my mother-in-law lives with us we have a puppy we try to get we we had a span of time when we were out of church we we tried to get there with uh, ridiculously infrequent frequency 
so so it just doesn't happen much but i i was weaned in the church and and came to faith there and went to reed and i both went to a uh, religious affiliated school and uh my my minor is in religion and so so these are all very close uh i was gonna say close friends but close old peers to me and being able to hear that framework and someone who and and receive this receive this with all the uh, uh encouragement i mean it as to hear someone i trust though having never met oh. administer theological conversation to me has been a bomb even in the last 72 hours i've been found in these <laughs> yeah. episodes you know? so <laughs> you know so that's, I, that's, that's a long that's way of to simply me. saying please know the church is not a literal embodied space every time yeah. you know I'm, I'm glad you said that and thank thanks for pulling me up on that because uh I, I know that when i was training as a minister there was this thing where it, to, how do you decide what a church is and i think the phrase was what is the ecclesiastical minimum you know what does, <laughs> yeah, what, what has to tick the boxes for it to be classed as a church and yes it's true you know creepy cove doesn't do funerals or weddings and that sort of stuff but you but you're Yet. quite yeah yeah well yeah who knows uh, but you're quite you're quite right though um it feels like being a person who's been a minister of a church the patterns feel so similar you know mm. the messages of like you know oh thank you that really helped me or um or couples you know saying uh, we're, we're struggling in our marriage but this uh this session you did on um on on the relationships with um, mm. Ed and Lorraine Warren from <laughs> The Conjuring, <laughs> and, and he he gets up and sings a really cheesy song to her. But before that, there's actually you know proper stuff in about relationships, and them contacting me and saying you know we we were actually thinking about parting, having divorce, and and we're we're back on track since wow. we thought about this stuff. And I'm like wow, and um, because I have this Patreon thing as well, uh, what happens with that is that that's a much smaller group. So, sure. you know, I've got about what, 37 patrons who pay uh, each month for access to extra content. But that particularly feels like it kind of has the church vibe because, you know, we have church socials. We call them church <laughs> socials where we meet on Zoom or you awesome. know, people support one another and get in touch with one another and share. So, um, That's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, but what I, what I like is... I, 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 well, you mentioned Richard Raw, but I, I'm, I'm, can, I'm drawn to this idea of kind of avoiding the dualistic type of thinking and being mm -hmm. willing to move in the sort of the gray, mysterious areas, mm -hmm. and that can be with theology, but it can also be with the blending of, 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 of parts of your life. So you know what you're interested in, your the genres you like, the, the expressions, the way it's digital, and it, just all of that. I, I like everything being kind of munched sure. up a bit it's mm -hmm. kind of where the action is i think yeah well and i i, I want to also echo as well like so so the for anybody who hasn't yet listened to creepy cove and hasn't yet picked up on it this conversation is a, a one hour to 90 minute uh advertisement for creepy cove community church i think <laughs> i think it is pretty uh apparent by now nathan and i both uh, wholeheartedly endorse your podcast and say like yes this is Thank something you. that that should be should be listened to and should be sought out um, but there is a, you know, the, your experience as a minister probably informed a lot of this, but there is a very 
uh, consistent and and uh, appealing liturgical structure to it. It always opens with good old Rupert yes. and the What's Happening Lord uh, with yeah. the announcements. Uh, those are always fun. They blend into like some fun skits, and, uh-uh. and that's where that's where you get to have kind of the the laughs and and just yeah. the enjoyment. Uh, even sometimes with the scripture reading, especially when Mister Spuggy comes up and and tries <laughs> to give the the scripture reading, it's really really funny. Um, yeah. But then what is always disarming and. I, I don't want to speak pretentiously. We have we have received comments about the fear of God, like I'm about to give to you. So I just want to call out, you know, that it might come off a mm-hmm. little pretentious. I don't it, I don't intend it to. But uh, one of the comments that Nathan and I frequently receive is, "Well, I didn't expect you to be so funny, and then suddenly, like, you know, swivel hard into something that's maybe a bit more profound, maybe a little bit mm. more thoughtful." Um, and I feel like your church services do very much a similar thing. Like once you actually get into the meat of the sermon, um, it, it, it's a bit disarming in a good way, in a really good way where suddenly yes. it's like, oh yeah, here's, here's some thoughtfulness. And I can speak for myself that the, particularly the times of reflection, I, of course, being a believer and mm-hmm. the devout one at that, um, those times of reflection really do mean a lot to me. It, it, it really is an opportunity oh, to pause and and uh, and to really have a time of thoughtful prayer and uh, and even just listening to the to the prompts that you give, and then there's usually a really killer cool song on the tail end of it to be yeah. able to kind of uh, lift things back up. So mm. for those who still haven't quite grasped from our conversation what the structure of an episode is, it is very liturgical in that way. Uh, yes, yeah, it is. I'll read, I'll, I'll read the reading the Bible. Yes, well, obviously I'm got to read it, and I that's what you do with the reading. <laughs> You're not going to xylophone the read, now you? you got to read the read. Are you going to read Sorry. it? Right, here we go. Thank you. Right, this reading's from the Bible, obviously, and it's from the book of Matthew. Now, that's not Matthew who serves the tea at the end, like, oh, that's a different Matthew altogether. That. Now, this is the book of Matthew from the New Testament. Though, to be honest, it's 2,000 years old. That's not very new, it's is spaggy. it? Well, it's anyway... Chapter 6, verse 25 to 35. So what Jesus says, Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat and what you'll drink. Don't worry about your body, what you'll wear. Even if you've got flowers on your head, love. <laughs> Sorry, I ended up a bit late. Anyway, Jesus goes on and says, it's, Is not life more than food? And is not more, and the body more than clothes? Why do you worry about your clothes? Look at the flowers of the field, man. Ah, flowers, there you go. Look at the flowers of the field there. They, they do not labour or conserve it. No, sorry. Oh. They do not labour or spin. Yeah, I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow's thrown in a fire, who does that like? Who throws grass in the fire? I do. You put it in the recycling. Throw you in the fire. Throw it in the fire. I'm sorry. Will he, that's God, not much more clothe you? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and then the word became flesh. Spiritual people get snobby about the flesh. It's probably why so many Christians get hung up on sex. They struggle with this idea of Jesus being a physical person, the idea of him being ill or using the toilet like Dr. Van Helsing was telling us earlier, or the idea of Jesus having dandruff or body odor. In all the normal stuff that you and I do, though obviously your body odor is way worse than mine, but still, a lot of spirituality says that the reality of our bodies is irrelevant 
or mundane or just not divine enough. Whereas the incarnation comes along and says, slow down. Jesus, the claim is, was able to be fully God and fully physically human at the same time, diarrhea and all. (laughs) What does this mean? Well, I think it means something quite interesting. At least it's interesting to me. It means that the unknowable, baffling, infinite God is suddenly knowable in our terms. That's what this idea is saying. And I think that's very important. You see, people often argue about the topic. Well, Jesus, uh, in this passage, clearly understands what it's like to be rejected. In the thing we had read, he comes back to his hometown, the place where he grew up, and yet he is massively rejected by the people who are supposed to be his supporters. This is uh, especially a shock when Jesus has achieved so much at this point. You know, you'd think he would be celebrated. People would be like, whoa, he's back. This local boy made good. And yet, no, he's rejected. But this is this is important to get your head around. Jesus, uh, you know, is rejected even though he had done amazing things. Some of us tend to think, oh, well, the reason I'm rejected is because, you know, I haven't done anything good. And if only I was doing something good, then I would be accepted. But no, Jesus was rejected even though he had done massively amazing achievements. Just look at his credentials, you know. For example, people who are Christians believe that... um, So just remember, everybody doubts sometimes. And for some of us, we can go through periods where nothing makes sense anymore. And we might even call it a dark night of the soul. And it can be incredibly difficult. And yet, we should try and remember, if we can, not only, firstly, that millions of other people have faced the same thing and are actually facing the same thing at the same time the same upheaval maybe not admitting it to others but you are not alone in this and yet millions have also found that rather than it becoming a stumbling block on the other side of it they found it's a stepping stone into a new way to be human and so We're going to move into a time of prayer and meditation. Remember, you don't have to be into like spirituality to benefit from this types of reflection. Um, For me, I'll be talking about God a bit towards the end. Let's pray. God, thank you. Because when you look at us, you see us as beloved children. And that love that you have for us is not based on what we have done or what we haven't done. You just love us because you are love. And thank you, Lord, that there was a time in our life when we couldn't care less about what we looked like or what car we were sitting in, when we didn't care what background others were from. But God, we're older now. And yes, while it's good to grow, we've picked up some new philosophies on the way which we don't want to sustain. To help us. Help us to be inspired by this moment. When Jesus said to be great is to be like that child. Show us how we might learn to accept others, to accept ourselves. Particularly think of that last part. I get the sense that some of you guys, some of you guys are struggling to accept who you are and you are setting unfair standards for yourself. Know this, you do not have to earn the love of God. He just loves you, like it or not.
And I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty hard work to put it all together. It's fun, sure. and fun, creative work, but it's, it's really different to like, say other podcasts that I've done because, you know, there are like there's sound design and there's sound effects. And also, cause I was doing this during lockdown, there needs, needed to be other characters. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, how am I going to get people to come and act this? And also <laughs> That might cost money, and I don't want to pay for anything. <laughs> and um, and also, it would it slows things down at getting other people involved. So I I just start doing stupid voices and manipulating my my voice to to mm. make it sound like someone else. So so basically, the, you know, ev everything in that show from the editing to the production to the acting to the writing to the music and the songs and all the instruments, like it's all me. And mm. um, I, I'm not saying that in a like, isn't that cool? I'm saying that as a like. That it takes a long time to, <laughs> to put that all together, and it's, sure. and, and so there's sometimes where you think like, what the heck? Like, what, what, <laughs> why, why did I start this? This is so time consuming. <laughs> um, but, but what's what's amazing is you know it, it it again it pulls in the threads of things I like. You know, just creativity. Mm -hmm. And to me, I remember being at a, um, I was at a writers group once. This is when I was trying to get published, and people were saying a lot of other people there weren't published either. And they were saying things about writing and they were very noble. And they said, well, you know, even if I never get published, um, I'll keep on writing because I'm writing for myself, really. What about you, Peter? And I was like, wow, if, if, if you were to tell me now I'll never get published ever, I'll stop. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not <laughs> right. going to bother. I, I, yeah. Like, that's not what it's about for me. Like, mm -hmm. it's about creativity, maybe a bit of conceited performance, but also connection with other people. Right. And so I just said, you know what? Like if, if God told me I'd never get a book published, I just wouldn't bother with that. And I'd do something else creative because mm, it's mm -hmm. because really it's creativity and making yeah. something that wasn't there before. That's the thing that gets me excited. And so whether or not that's music or podcasting or books, it does it doesn't doesn't really matter. But yeah, I didn't fall down that route of the sort of the noble struggling artist of like, well, as mm. you know, I could write six six volumes of books and it's in a drawer. I respect people who do that, but sure. that, yeah, that's not me. I'm too vain for that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk too, like you talk too about that connection, and this this was not an intention at the dawn of 2021, but this year for us in the show has really been all about connecting with community. You know, like one of yes. the when when Nathan and I were talking offline. And I, a little uh, behind the curtain listeners, but I said very directly to him, I was like, I really feel quite passionate about the fact that now is the moment to bring on Peter. We've, we've toyed with having you on the show mm. for the past two, three years, you know? Um, but uh, I, I was like, no, this is really now the moment to, to bring in Peter and talk about because Creepy Cove exists now. Yeah. And the reason for that is in 2021, it has very much been, you know, Fear of God started almost as a thought experiment where it's like, oh yeah, let's look at horror and let's look at faith. And then very, very quickly, because Nathan and I have been friends for so long, very quickly just kind of became the document of a friendship. And that's really mm. more what it was about. But then now here we are five years in, and it really has become that connection, that community. So now yeah. Nathan and I say a lot in terms of just like the people that we've, we've gotten to know that we never would have known otherwise outside of the parameters of the show, dear friends, uh, many of them. And, uh, and so that broader community has, has come to mean so much to us. And so I, I totally resonate with what you're saying about that. It is, it, yes, the work is good and, and, and the work mm -hmm. is satisfying. I heard it said one time, and, and, and maybe you'll resonate with this about particularly crafting an episode, where he said, uh, somebody said it, and I was like, amen. They said, writing sucks. 
having written is amazing. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. yeah, it's doing it sucks, but getting there is it, yeah, writing is like is like exercise in that way. You know, actually doing it is not very pleasant, but that you feel so great having done it. And yeah, yes. writing can be can be similar to that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I know you, I know what you mean. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I'd, I'd like to, you know, at, uh, this episode is obviously a bit uh, unique in our in our sort of parlance. Normally, what we would do is we would dive into a, uh, you know, a film or we would dive yeah. into a specific sort of subject and we'd unpack the, the deeper, richer themes. What I what I do want to urge for listeners is um, there is a bit of continuity to your your show services. So, like, mm. if you listen to them in sequence then there is a through line of continuity that will that will loosely connect them all. However, I really do feel that unless it's a part one and part two episode, yes. you, you can kind of drop in wherever you want to drop in. You can browse Absolutely. through. Yeah. It's you know, designed yeah. that way. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you know, you, and also it's designed, like I, I, I take time to make sure that it's got chapter skip. Um, so, <laughs> sure. so and, and I actively encourage people, you know, like if, if you're not into religion or spirituality just skip this prayer bit um mm. you know if you do and in fact this this could be classed as controversial but even during the prayer times i'll say you know well for me as a as a, as a believer it's important to me to you know in this instance i'm kind of praying i'm talking to god but if you're not into that feel free to swap out the the labels and put in whatever's meaningful to you mm. and i know that mm -hmm. other people might think that is like super dangerous or something but all i found is that the the, the people who listen to it go, thank you for not forcing me down a particular alleyway. And I'm quite happy to feel safe here. And I think sure, this is one of, sure. this is one of the reasons, you know, you're talking about community and stuff as well as the need for community. I think what, what people really need as also today is, is, is trustworthy Christians who don't mm -hmm. necessarily have an agenda. Yes. Um, and that, that is particularly needed because there's a, <laughs> there is a huge imbalance at the moment about, you oh, know, yes. the most vocal Christians not necessarily representing perhaps uh, what Christianity is about. So um, I, I do think God is, you know, a calling up uh, to use a sort of dramatic phrase or, or raising up um, normal, everyday people who respect other people's beliefs mm -hmm. and are, are, are willing to exist in that space. Right. Well, I think there's a, I think there's a profound difference. We are as Christians, I, I, and when mm -hmm. I say Christians, I, I'm not necessarily referring to the three of us in this conversation, although maybe it, it applies a bit. Um, but but I think just writ large, the stereotypical vision of a Christian, yeah. we are terrible at understanding the difference between an invitation and an obligation. We are really terrible mm -hmm. at that. And we're, we're awful at knowing when we are presenting an invitation to wonder, an invitation to mystery, an invitation to a relationship with God, which if we yes. are being really honest with ourselves about it, despite how passionately we may embrace, accept, and believe it, that is a wild and woolly thought. Like <laughs> yeah. inv inviting someone into a relationship with a literal otherworldly being is, is, is no thing to take lightly. Yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of times we will tend to present it very much in, in an obligatory format. That's where a lot of exclusion comes in. That's where a yes. tremendous amount of uh, uh, you know, parameters and gridlocks get set where now like, oh, well, 
you know, I'm not going to repeat the whole joke, uh, but that joke I've shared on the podcast before, where like you go through all of these similarities only to find like there's one minuscule little difference <laughs> at the end. And that's what divides everything. Yes, it's literally yeah. just this very distinct difference. And I think one of the things that's that I'm passionate about, I will, I will say again, because just my brain works this way, I can understand how people who are very passionate about eternal consequences for things yeah. will will present it as obligation because they're very passionate in their beliefs about mm-hmm. the eternal consequences of things. So it makes sense yeah. that they would extend from that. From myself, uh, something you said earlier when we were talking about horror and the different colors that it added to your life, and I've said this on the show m- multiple times before, but for me, my faith has always opened me up. I believe that for many yeah. people, their faith has closed them in from mm-hmm. in certain ways. And it, you take that however you will, but it's like they constantly are feeling a restriction, a closing in of it. And for yeah. as far back as I can remember, uh, at least once I was autonomous enough in my own thinking to be able to, to recognize what I truly believed about certain things, my faith has always opened me up, whether that be encountering the scriptures, encountering sermons, encountering certain social political ideas or something. It's always, my faith has always broadened and opened me up. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think that's why I'm more passionate about making a distinction. And and this is, uh, in case it's not clear, I'm singing your praises because your show is very, very good at knowing the difference between invitation and obligation and, mm. and wholeheartedly embraces invitation. And that's what it is. It's it's a an open-hearted yeah. invitation. So yeah. I applaud oh, you for thank that. You. Yeah, thank you. You know, when yeah. you were talking about religion opening us up and, uh, and God opening us up, I... I I couldn't help but keep getting that image of that poor guy in the dinosaur leg back again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's you know a really I mean? good metaphor. Yeah, exactly. That, that's <laughs> so not where true. I want to be. You know, I think nope. it's, it's a wider it's upside a wider down on your head. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> helping you inside the leg of a hollow paper yeah. shaped dinosaur. You oh, did. He didn't even yeah. like dinosaurs either. It's like, no, he just wanted his obsessed with his phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which the, the modern technological aspect of a phone inside of a dinosaur, like there's something, there's something oh, happening. So there. much going on. Yeah. There. You, yeah. you need that's a that's a creepy cove <laughs> sermon waiting to happen. Yes, if so, it hasn't yeah. already. One thing I would like to do, and you know, we we can talk for another you know twenty minutes, or we can talk for another five or ten or whatever. But one thing mm-hmm. I would like to do before we close it down is, yeah. um, and, Na- and Nathan, I didn't put you on deck to do this. I didn't put you there either, Peter. So I'll, I'm happy. To, pardon, <laughs> I'm happy to start. Welcome to the show, Peter. To this is how it goes. <laughs> give you a moment to think. Reed about makes it. bold statements. Puts you on the spot. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> just throws out questions. You ain't got no time to think about. Um, but uh, but but I would say so. Like, let's say listeners get there and and uh, and and. Of course, we recommend the show writ large, but if listeners get there and they're a bit daunted and they're like, I want to check this out, but should I just start with number one? Should I just start with, you know, should I start somewhat randomly? So be thinking about, and I'll I'll give a pitch myself, um, but then be thinking about, and I'd like to hear from Nathan from what he's heard, and I'd like to hear from you, Peter, having crafted all of it. Mm. You know, what's a good starting point? If if somebody's like, "Yeah, yeah, I want to check out Creepy Cove, where's a good place to start? My recommendation to sort of lead the charge um, is your pair of sermons that you did from your season one, uh, which I listened to the, you and I, what listeners may or may not know, and it doesn't matter too much is that I knew about your show before most of the world knew about your show. I wasn't sure. exclusive yes, to did, that, yeah. but, but, but you reached out to me just kind of, you know, with some initial thoughts. And I felt privileged by mm-hmm. that. Um, so again, yeah, thank, thank you. you. But, um, but the, uh, but the other thing that, that, uh, is like, I started listening from point one, 
But where something shifted for me, it was really fun. It was meaningful from the get-go. But where something really shifted, where I personally really gained a tremendous amount from it was in season one, the pair of sermons you did called The Foolishness of Adults and the Maturity of Children. So it's a, it's a pair of yes. sermons together that at the time, just where my head was at, um, really spoke a lot to me. You dive into particularly the scripture where Jesus talks about uh, you know, children, and he he validates the humanness of children, which mm. the way you unpacked that really just moved me in tremendous ways. So for me, for my recommendation is if you're looking for one place to start, I would point to from early on in the show, the pair of episodes, the foolishness of adults and the maturity of children. Um, so uh, thank you for let, pointing that. Certainly, certainly. Let's let yeah. Peter end it. Nathan, what would you uh, what would you give as a recommendation from your little flurry of, you know, what's one that really stood out to you? Um, well, at, I think at one and a half speed, right? Um, <laughs> well, to 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 give you proper credit, I listened to Salem's Lot at one and three quarter speed, so I did slow down a little yeah. bit for you. <laughs> I wanted to really chew my food. Um, uh, no, I, I mean, I think how I approached it was one, uh, humorously. Even though, again, Peter, you've existed in, in our sort of uh, on our radar for quite some time, more directly to read to myself. But I was like, "What? I don't, I don't understand this concept." And I was like, "Read. What am I? Okay, just tell me, pitch me. I don't. What am I getting into? Real quick. I don't understand." So I just started from go to mm. to kind of just wrap my brain around. Okay, mm. what am I? What is the concept here? And so I started from episode one and uh, probably did about ten or so. And then would just hop to characters. I was for, like, part of it was for me time. I just like, okay, well, let me, yeah, let yeah. me get through some of these. Um, and so then it became characters I was familiar with in a more explicit way. Like we're covering Salem's lot here in a second. So the Glicks show mm. up in that first <laughs> yes, flurry yeah. of episodes. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. And because <laughs> they're hovering outside the church. Yes. Um, yeah. One week they're giving the reading the next week. They're dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They're gone. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate. Well, what's funny is you 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 have some deft turns here because the Glick's fate is relatively intact to their can canonical counterparts, whereas Carrie White's uh, <laughs> fate oh, is, yeah. is quite the what if. I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> she, she, things worked <laughs> yeah. out well for Carrie White. She deserves a happy ending. Yeah. Um, so so no, I think I think I think um, uh, knowing how relatively new this the the series itself is. Mm. It's easy to jump in. I find I found it. Uh, I found myself enjoying the cleverness uh, and creativity. And even I even wrote down, I was like, are you Rupert? Because again, when you're listening to it super fast, you're like, okay, I'm, yeah, it's yeah. a really, it's a quirky voice. Um, uh, so yeah, I'd say start from the beginning. And then if you're, if you're for whatever reason, needing to finding characters mm. that you're familiar with to latch onto, or as Reed, you illustrated topics um, that really speak to you. So for instance, the one today, as I mentioned earlier uh, on social media, that's a conversation that's constantly oh, going yes. on in my head mm. uh, and in mine and Reed's direct conversations with each other. Uh, yeah. So, you know, topical stuff like that, 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 that I jumped into. Uh, yeah. Thank you. In fact, as you were talking about that stuff, it gave me an opportunity to like look at the screen. Sure. I'm like, I <laughs> yeah. can't remember what I talked about. What is it? And then uh, it's it's funny how you easily forget. But yes, I'm just having a little look through some of the list. Um, I think for me, uh, it it is designed to be 
um, a pick and choose type thing. So for people to look and really the sermons are, are, are deliberately kind of well-being, kind of felt needs sort of based. Mm -hmm. So it's not about like the power of Christ. It's more <laughs> about like, you know, dealing with worry, that sort of mm -hmm. stuff, which, um, which I, I just find helpful in terms of a kind of pick or choose what, what issues uh, messing with me at the moment. Um, and then also I make sure that to mention the character that's featuring so that people might just want to connect simply based on the character. Um, I did it. I did a kind of three week series on doubt. Uh, mm. I think mm -hmm. that was season two. And um, with uh, Donald Pleasance from Halloween, well, Dr. Loomis from Halloween. Yep. And uh, I think Buffy the Vampire Slayer was in one of those. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. Oh yeah. Boris Karloff as well. And I, I think, um, I think those, I, I found those quite helpful because I, I think doubt is something that most most Christians experience, but um, depending on how open to doubt they are, it can be a terrifying <laughs> experience, particularly, <laughs> at the, particularly at the moment because there's so much sort of like people going through this 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 wilderness of um, of questioning and asking questions, right. which I personally find as as a positive godly thing that's going on. People shaking things out and seeing what permanent things are left. But shaking stuff out is a, is a is a scary experience, particularly when doubt is involved. So I suppose I'd I'd say you know the doubt ones could be helpful if yeah. that's an issue for someone at the moment. But really, yeah, you start from the start or, or pick and choose where you want to go. No, I absolutely affirm. I loved that doubt series. Uh, absolutely, it's it's really 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 good stuff. Um, so this is the point of the show where I will say you know before before we kind of wind things down either. Peter or Nathan, if there's anything that you're like, oh, no, wait, I don't want to leave this conversation without mentioning X, or I don't want to leave the conversation without mentioning Y. If there's nothing, then we'll, then, you know, we'll kind of drift into learning where we can find your material and, and sign off. But um, yeah, if there's anything that either of you had that you're like, oh, I really wanted to mention this before going. Everybody good? Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm sorry, Peter. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Were you going to ask oh. um, a, a watch your watching question? Sorry. Oh no, we we skip that segment. No, for time. but answer, yes. answer, oh, okay, Peter. Fine. We won't. You answer. What have you been yeah, watching? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. well, well, yeah. Because yeah, I was going to mention a film that I watched the other day, which actually I still I can't stop thinking about. It's not exactly a horror movie, but it is scary. It's a film with Donald Pleasance in from 1971 called Wake in Fright, which was oh a film yeah, that, have you seen that? It's oh I have yeah. I, I mean, I'd never seen it before, and really, it's just a film about a, a school teacher who uh, ends up at this in Australia in the outback and at this sort of slightly backward town. And um, it's 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 a film about, and you guys might know this experience, the offence that men have when you don't drink alcohol with them. And I've been in that situation mm, huh. plenty. I mean, I'm happy to drink alcohol, but I know that feeling of like, oh, you're not drinking. Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you checking? Oh, what's right. going on? Mm -hmm. But that film takes that to uh, a scary level of what it means, how offensive oh. it could be to not have alcohol-fueled social interaction with men. Interesting. Um, and so th mm -hmm. that film explores that, but it's, it's just a really intense, interesting movie. It's, so a it's called Wake and Fright. Yeah, it's a, pretty, it, it's a pretty intense film. Intense is the right word for it. Um, Worth noting, and this th this is not to subvert any recommendation because I think it's a it's it's a fascinating film and and uh, and and worth exploring. Uh, there was a certain degree of controversy, I think, around the film because the kangaroo hunt at the end was was real. Yes. Um, oh yes, yeah. So yeah, but uh, but that was a little Joey. 
<laughs> that was yeah. how. I, well, it's yeah. like that was how that was Joey. how the first. Yeah, that was how the film first hit my radar. Is actually I'd heard about that sequence, and um, yes. you know, reads uh, reads a big kangaroo hunter, Peter. Let's let's that. let's calm yeah. down about I that. Mean, you know, you know, it's okay. They, We're all friends. They always win. They always win. One of these days, <laughs> yeah. one of these days they won't, but they always win. But they just um, put you in their pouch and off they, they go. Just, <laughs> they just punch me in the face and then dr- just hop right along. The, the little boxing gloves on. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, so, so 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 that's certainly not a dampening to the to the recommendation. No, it's good, it it's good you mention that though, because I mean that yeah, I mean that at the end of the film it does say you know uh, we didn't we didn't harm any kangaroos making this, but we did go and film a, a real kangaroo hunt, and right, so right. yes, so animal lovers you know need to be aware of that because might you have know, some I, caution to it. Yeah, I know a lot of people who you know, struggle to watch Cannibal Holocaust because there is um, oh, absolutely. some, you know, right. animal death in that. And so, yeah, I'm glad you The name that. says a lot, you know? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, but it's, it's the animal bits that people seem to really struggle with. That's the um, part that, yeah, that's the part yeah. that, because because the animal bits were 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 real, which is really, it's, yeah, it's well, pretty yeah, horrific, oh, yeah, yeah. horrific to think about. But um, mm. uh, but no, Wake it, wake and Fright, that's you, you've made a potent uh, recommendation there that I, I can't remember exactly what outlets those are still found on in the States, but it's ab- absolutely, it's a really affecting film if you can see it. Yeah. I watched it on a uh, Blu-ray. Oh, nice. Nice. Nathan, I think you were about to mention something. No, I was just going to uh, thank Peter for his presence on the show, his contributions to, you know, the world and, and mm-hmm. what a, oh. What a sort of lovely confluence of gifts usage you have. And I appreciate your having used them so well. So thank you for, for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, and I think I would just encourage your listeners to, to think about their own lives and, and, and about the, the different interests and gifts that they have. And sometimes that, that can, it can feel like things don't go together and that can make people quite frustrated. They'll be like, Oh, well, mm. I like this, but I like that. And I'm not into that. I'm not talented to this, but I want to do this. And um, that, that can be quite frustrating, but really there is a, there's a, there's an amazing kind of beauty in, in the contradictory bundle of personalities that we all have. And mm. um, and sometimes you know you get an opportunity to to run in that groove, um, and I'm I'm really sort of blessed and delighted that I've had a chance to do that. And um, I just encourage other people to embrace embrace their strangeness. In my book, The Frighteners, mm. um, there's a bit at the beginning where I dedicate it to my children, and Love really, yeah. this is what the book is about. I I, I said something like in the in the uh, a dedication, I'd said like uh, to my children, and something like you know. If you want to, you could read this book, but it's very long. It's got some pretty disturbing things in it. Um, but really, the short version of this book is "Be yourself, be you," mm. and mm-hmm. and that, in many ways, is what I'm about all the time. You know, mm. it's in in honouring the individual, whoever they are, learning from them, and um, encouraging people to be their authentic selves, which uh, is not easy for some people to do, not with the voices right. around them. That, uh, that's the part I read out loud to my wife. So thank you. For oh, that. mm, that's beautiful. Um, well, uh, Peter, I, I do want to echo what Nathan said. Like we, so, so now, um, we're big believers in consent on this show, but what we like to say is that now, whether you like it or not, you're part of the family. So, so that's just, yeah. uh, that's just kind of there. Um, but, uh, so, so we would love to 
have you back at some point, maybe to sure. dive into a specific film or, or something, mm. you know, kind of kind of in a more normal format. But we wanted to spend some time today having the listeners get to know you. Uh, we've referenced you on the show before, but now they've actually heard yeah. your voice. Hopefully they'll go check out your show. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I just really want to thank you for spending some time with us today talking about what you do. In that spirit, uh, where can people find what you do? All, all things all things Peter Laws. Yeah, I mean, the central hub for me, I guess, would be peterlaws.co.uk, but then you can go mm. to creepycove.com, and uh, that's where you can access all the free, uh, the free Creepy Cove stuff. If you're interested in the Patreon, which has got lots of extra things, including a private podcast from me every mm-hmm. week, um, that's at uh, patreon.com forward slash creepycove. And uh, yeah, my books are in like all good stores and that sort of place. So, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And I do want to, I do want to affirm now. So, so in, in, in the interests of uh, transparency and candor, uh, the, the Matt Hunter series is something that I'm still uh, unacclimated to writ large, but I do want to throw overwhelming recommendation as well behind the Frighteners, which I've read and loved. And Thank so you. that's absolutely something that I would uh, encourage people to, to check out as well. So um, listeners, uh, if, if we're kind of, beating the point here at this point, but check out Peter's stuff. He's good people. You're going to really be encouraged. You're really going to enjoy uh, what he has to offer. Uh, Peter, thank you again so much for taking some time out of your evening to spend some time with us. We want to have you back, so we will make this work again, we assure you. Um, Thank you. And and, uh, Nathan, thank you as always for uh, having these conversations uh, with us. And uh, whether it be in in the fear of God or in Creepy Cove Community Church, uh, we want to encourage you that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and to be on your way rejoicing. Next week, we will be having the big, we mentioned it at the top of the episode, um, we will be gathering the quartet together to discuss Salem's Lot by Stephen King, focusing primarily on the content of the novel itself and the 1979 Toby Hooper uh, adaptation. Uh, we may have some reference points to the 2004 version starring Rob Lowe and Donald Sutherland, but the primary conversation will be around content in the novel and the Toby Hooper adaptation. So acquaint yourself with either or both of those by next week, and uh, we will see you RSVP then. To the oh, and RSVP party, to the yes, is, yes. By, by the release dates will be uh, roughly a week and about 10 days after this episode releases. No, absolutely. So, uh, so yes, by all means, please, uh, RSVP to the Halloween, the Fogaween party. We hope to see you there. And uh, meanwhile, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest episodes and news, as well as for merchandise and how to contact us. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music, and to Tyler Smith and MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Well, as ever, we're now going to move on to some music, and I'm going to invite the band, and they're going to sing to us a song called Rusting and Unchanged, a song that's inspired uh, by Videodrome, but also by Ray Bradbury. Thank you.
Well, can you put your hands together for the band? Thank you. And by the way, if you like any of the music that you hear in Creepy Code, don't forget that the albums are available. You just have to visit Bandcamp, search for Peter Laws, 